Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Three weeks today, we break ground on our new building. We make history and this is our Heart for the House season and on the 31st of October, we're going to be receiving a miracle offering and on your seat, under your seat is a Heart for the House brochure and a special envelope and I want to encourage you to really pray about your Heart for the House this year as we give to the Clare School in Norwich to update their facilities as we send finance to the church in the Philippines so they can finish their church as we Put a stake in the ground for our new church and this has never ever been about equal giving. We understand that, but it has always been about equal sacrifice. And as we all sacrifice and let go, we're believing God, Chantel and I, for a miracle to take place over the next few weeks. Are you still gonna stand with us, believe together, amen? We don't underestimate. I'm believing this God for a million I'm believing God this year for a million pounds. Well, I only need two or three to agree with me. By the end of the sermon, you'll be cheering, all right? Naturally, it seems impossible coming out of a pandemic, but with God, all things are possible. And uh, so I really want you to pray and encourage you to think about the part that you can play. And we're going to make a difference in our city. We're going to make a difference in our world. Are you, are you in this with us? I know you are. All right, we're going to pray and read, and read the Word in about five minutes. I'm going to give a long introduction. Is that okay? So I just want to set the two things a little bit different, set the tone a little bit different today. I want to say a special welcome to all of our online community joining us from all over the world today. Would you put your hands together and welcome our, our e-community? Also, I want to encourage you today to take notes in church, the message Research has shown that those who take notes in church automatically go to heaven. <laughs> so it's, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Theology's a little wrong on that, I think. All right. Well, off, we are in a brand new series called Not By Might, Not By Power, But By His Spirit. Not By Might. It's a faith-building series. From Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Recently, a group of people, at the end of their lives, they were interviewed and they were asked this question. Are you ready for it? If you were to relive your life, what would be the one thing that you would do differently? And a whole flurry of answers came back. Travel more hang out with my family more, play on my Xbox more, build a bigger pension fund. But there was one winner, one winner more than ever, and it was this, take more risks. Take more risks. Now, who, like, who would say they were naturally they like to take risks? It's just, okay, it's, it's not necessarily a default for most people. I understand that. For me, I'm a natural risk taker, so it's, uh, it's considerably easier for me to talk on this subject, but I understand that not everyone is like that. And um, why don't we like to take risks? Well, a few reasons. First of all, we're scared of failure. Secondly, we're scared of what other people might think of us. We're scared of getting it wrong. We're scared of losing it all. And I think one of the reasons we don't like taking risks is we're scared of the unknown. If we take a risk, we're not quite sure what that will mean. So we get stuck. And a lot of people are stuck in life. They're stuck in the mundane. They're stuck in what I'm going to call the cycle of life. Wake up, get the kids ready for school, go to work, come back, and everything is just stuck. And nothing seems to change. And 2020 looks like 2021. And 21 is going to look like 22. And before you know it, you're getting old. 
We don't even know how to get unstuck. So we just hope. We just hope that something will happen that will get us out of the rut. And I'm all for theology, but I've seen people with all the theology in the world and they're stuck. I'm all for charisma. I'm all for uh, talent. I've seen some highly talented people stuck. Why? One word separates them all, which is risk. Risk. If you're taking notes, here's our first takeaway today. But everything great in life is the, on the other side of taking a risk. When you made a decision to follow Christ, it was a risk because it was the unknown. You'll never make friends until you take a risk. The Bible says you've got to first be a friend if you want to create friendships. If you want to get married, you've got to put it out there a little bit. In context. <laughs> you're just sitting there waiting, thinking, I'm waiting for my angel, I'm waiting for my Prince Charming. And you'll keep waiting until you take a risk. One of the things you could do is let them know you're reading, you're reading the book of Numbers in the Bible and you've noticed you don't have their number. <laughs> I mean, it's just a, a line you could try. I mean, some of you look at me and that was a bad one. That was good because you laughed. Twelve months I pursued Chantel. She even had a boyfriend for a couple of those months, but... I could see something further down the line. I named her and I claimed her. <laughs> you'll, never, you'll never get a job until you take a risk. Till you fill out a form or till you pick up the phone and call the company, you've got to take a risk. And half the house is actually a risk-taking few weeks for us. For us as individuals, but for us as a church. And we have the opportunity to say, God, I put my trust in you over the next three or four weeks. The reason I'm speaking about this today is I'm noticing the older I become, especially as a pastor, the less risks I want to take. Has anyone noticed the older you become, you want to take less risks? I just want to play it safe. I'm, honestly, I'm not sure I'd have moved to Africa now at 43. I moved at 28 to Africa. It was like, yeah, it could be a great adventure. And it was amazing. But I'm not sure at 43 I'd take my two kids, sell my home, and move to Africa because I'm 43 now. Because you want to be a play a little bit more safe. If I'm really honest, I'm not sure I'd have started Soul Church at 43. I mean, the first year, everyone just left. <laughs> when every, anyone comes to me and says, Pastor John, Pastor Chantel, we really love you, and I know what's coming, but... Feels like when we were younger, we were bolder. When I was younger, I would pray prayers like, God, send me. Anyone ever pray that God send me? God, send me. I'll go anywhere. I'll go anywhere. I'm going to be a history maker. We go to delirious concerts. I'm going to be a history maker in this land. And God says, go and speak to your neighbor. No, 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 I'm too busy. I want to be a history maker. What about your neighbor? No, I want to be a history maker. I want to go and start an orphanage in India. No, 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 no. I'm going to be a history maker. So we used to pray dangerous prayers like, God, send me. And then we used to pray prayers like, God, break me. God, break stuff off my life. God, break the addictions off my life. God, break me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. God, break me. And then we used to pray even more crazy prayers like, God, use me. I'm up for anything. And now the, sort of the sound of our prayers sounds like, God, thank you for today. Thank you for your love and your grace. Look after my children. Help us to have a really nice day in the sun to shine. Amen. Let me tell you this. If your prayers do not scare you, they will not scare the devil. 
And we've got to get back to praying some dangerous prayers and taking some risks and get some risks back in the church. Well, I'm fired up today. This is what happened to my wife last night. I'm fired up at the enemy. Chantal is amazing, isn't she? She lost her sister yesterday from cancer. Battle movement for five years and gets up here today. Got up this morning at quarter to six to seek God so she could lead us through the heart of worship after being up all night crying. Come on, we've got to get back to that place. Heartfelt worship. So life just becomes very ordinary. We want to stand out, but we're so scared of what people might think if we take a risk. We could never go to the next level in God. We can never see and achieve the plans and the purposes God has for our lives until we're prepared to take a risk. Now I need to take my jacket off because it's getting hot in here. Settle down, Chantel. challenge comes, doesn't it, when other people are taking risks and achieving success, and we watch them. When anyone else is taking risks and having success, success there's only two, two choices that you have. I want you to write this down. When anyone else is achieving success in life and you're not, there's two, two choices. Number one is this. You can get jealous and bitter, which is what a lot of us do. Someone takes a risk. Oh, you just got lucky. They took a risk. Or you can say this, you can ask this question, what is wrong with my belief system? And often what's wrong with my belief system is I'm just, I've lost my appetite for risk. And so because I am not prepared to take any risks anymore, I can't get further. And we'd much prefer just to sit back, settle down to a cozy life and wait for some magical event to take place in our life that's suddenly going to elevate us into our God-given destiny. Friend, that is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So then we've got to make a decision, well, if that's not going to happen, I've got to take a risk. And I've talked about this before in church. There's three attitudes we can have towards life. One is an undertaker. An undertaker is looking back to what was. My grandma lived in Stockport, and we used to go up to have, have family trips up to Stockport to spend with grandma, and we'd get around the table for lunch on a Saturday, and we'd, we'd, beans on toast was a favorite, and she'd tell us all of her war stories. But grandma spent, you know, the first 40 years of her life coming over, telling me the obstacles of life, but then the last 40 years of her life just talking about the past. And there's nothing wrong with talking about the past. I believe that the good old days haven't happened yet. I believe the good old days haven't happened in this church yet. And we can live in the past. We can live in what was and what should have been. Or we can, and that's, that's the spirit of an undertaker. Or we can have the spirit of a caretaker. What does a caretaker do? A caretaker just takes place, looks after the things that are around them. Doesn't necessarily want to look backwards, but doesn't necessarily want to move forward. But I don't believe God's called this church, I don't believe God's called you as a believer to be an undertaker or even a caretaker. I believe God has called you to be a risk taker, which means, hey, hey God, what have you got in the future for me? Imagining a brighter tomorrow. Chantal and I, we made a choice in 2014 when we transitioned this church and we pioneered Soul Church that this will always be a risk-taking church. In this church, we'll always have more vision than resources. So we're going to take a risk in three weeks' time through half the house and breaking ground. Let me tell you, this is a risk. It's a risky business. We're going to stand to our feet right now. I'm going to read a famous story in the Gospel of Matthew, the 14th chapter. I want to talk this morning, a message is titled, The Spirit of a Risk-Taker. Because I believe today God wants you to catch the spirit of a risk taker. It's not by might, it's not by power, but I believe God's spirit is a risk taking spirit that I believe has almost left the church and has left us. And churches are struggling, by the way, all over the country right now because they've taken their foot off the gas. Want to play it safe, want to play it comfortable. This is not that church. So we're going to read a story in 
the Gospel of Matthew from the message about a risk taker called Peter. It says, as soon as the meal was finished, he insisted that disciples get in the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. With the crowd dispersed, he climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. He stayed there. This is Jesus. He stayed there alone late into the night. Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea when the wind came up against them and they were battered by the waves. About four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. They scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage. Take courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. Peter suddenly bold said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water. He said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. When he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. He cried, Master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Then he said, faint-hearted, what got into you? The two of them climbed into the boat and the wind died down. The disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, worshipped Jesus, saying, this is it. You are God's son for sure. Father, I pray right now. I'm very well aware in this room there are people in three different categories. First of all, you gave them a dream for their life and they never outworked it. They never took a risk. I'm also aware of people who've taken risks and haven't worked out. And they feel disappointed. They feel let down by, by people in business. They feel let down by family. They even feel let down by you. I also know there's a group of people here today that they've never taken a risk and they're stuck. I pray today that the spirit of the sovereign Lord God, the spirit of a risk taker would fall on families and individuals today. You would birth fresh dreams and desires. Lord, I thank you. And I'll say it again. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by your spirit. I declare the spirit of a risk taker right now over this service in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. And at home, enjoy the couch. (laughs) Context of the story. Peter and the disciples get into a boat one afternoon to cross the Galilee, the sea. Peter was a fisherman, so he was familiar with that territory and those waters. And a storm blows across the lake, not just any storm, but a life-threatening storm. Now they're not worried about crossing the lake, they're worried about staying alive. And one of the disciples notices at around four o'clock in the morning in the middle of the storm, a ghost-like figure on the lake. And the ghost-like figure we now know is Jesus, but he, he shouts out to the boat. He says, come, come. And only Peter responds. I think this story is as much about obedience as it is to taking a risk. I think half the house is as much about obedience as it is than risk-taking. I think half the house is something where we get an opportunity to be obedient. And I think the only thing when it comes to miracles, when it comes to half the house, these things, is we're responsible for obedience. God is responsible for the outcome. And in that story, there was 12 disciples, but 11 of them were disobedient. Only one of them was obedient, which was Peter. And Peter, in that moment, something came over him, which I'm going to call the spirit of a risk taker. I believe when God's spirit is truly working inside of us, it enables us to take risks. Over the last few days, as I've been beginning to prep this message, and I've been praying four prayers over our church. Four prayers. I'm going to call them four dangerous prayers. Because I just prayed a very safe prayer a minute ago, but I want us to start praying dangerous prayers over our lives, dangerous prayers over our businesses. And I believe that these four prayers that I'm going to share with you are not just four prayers that I pray, but I believe that they're four prayers that Peter would have prayed in that moment. He would have had to have done. And if if you're saying today, John... I want to have the spirit of a risk taker. 
I don't want to just play life safe. I want you to pray these prayers. I want you to weave these prayers into your daily prayer life. Put them on the fridge. I want you to write them down somewhere. Write them in your Bible. But I want you to pray these four prayers every day. They're really, really simple. They're really quick. But I believe they can help you as you move forward. The first one is this. God help me. God help me. I think when Peter began to step out of the boat, he's got to be praying that prayer, God help me. Over the last few weeks when we announced that we're breaking ground on our, on our new building, let me tell you, I've been praying every day, God help me. God help me. Says Peter suddenly bolted, Master, if it's really you, call me to come on the water. He must have been terrified. I mean, the last thing you want to do in a storm is get out of the boat. You want to stay in the comfort of the boat. Waves crashing, gale force winds, four o'clock in the morning, scared to death. And Peter, in the safety of the known, cries out to God. God, help me. Is anyone who'd be brave enough to say right now, I need some help? I need some help with the kids. I need some help in this marriage. I need some help. I've been taking risks, and God, right now, it's not in my own strength, my own might, my own resource. God, help me. Because today, God is calling us out of a church, as a church, to get out of the boat. Now, if God asked me to get out, I think my approach to getting out of a boat might have been something like this, sort of. Anyone else? Anyone else would have got out of the boat, sort of lowered themselves down backwards? No, no, no. The Bible says, I've got to get back up here now. The Bible says, jumping out of the boat. You know, when you take a risk, you got to go all in quick. You got to jump into it. Because if God is with you, he will not let you fail. And if you want to walk on water, if we're going to walk on the water, the first thing we've got to do is remember this. We've got to get out of the boat. The boat is safe. The boat is secure. If you take your notes, write down this. There's no story to tell in the boat. Because everyone in the boat's got the same story. The only one with the story is Peter. You'll never know if you can run your own business until you get out of the boat. You'll never know if she's going to say yes until you ask her. Oh, well, I'll send her a message on Facebook. <laughs> Epic fail. You walk up to her, you show some courage, put some aftershave on, tell her you haven't got a number. You'll never know whether you can achieve the degree until you apply for the university. You'll never know whether you can achieve greatness until you say, God, help me. I'm prepared to get out of the boat. You know, the reality is we all know what the boat feels like. But we don't know what the water feels like. And Peter's like, I'm gonna, I've seen God feed a few hungry mouths. I've seen him do a few things, but I want to see what he's like on this one. There is more to life than sitting in a boat. There is more to life than sitting in your job nine to five every day when God put a dream in your heart to do something different. Sorry, I'm, by the way, I'm gonna, the water's going to get a bit wobbly in here. Is that okay? So we're going to stir some things up in here today. So the question is this, what is your boat? What is your boat? What is your boat? God help me. You're stuck in the boat of a job that won't move forward. You're stuck in a house that's too small. You don't think you could take a risk to the next level. You're stuck in a boat of being unfit. Just easier to accept it. Oh, I'm just the way I am. It's the way God made me next to Rio. And God is saying, no, 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 no. There is another way. There is another path. God, help me. Pastor Gary Clark used to come and teach us at Bible school, and he said this, he said this. You can have comfort or growth in life, but you can't have both. And Peter just said, I'm tired of comfort. I'm tired of knowing what it's like to be in the boat in a storm. I want to know what it's like to be in a storm. 
and walk on water with Jesus. I want a story to tell. So God, help me. Now I think the second prayer that Peter prayed was this, was God, show me. God, as I receive your help and step away from the safety of what I know, I want you, I want you to show me the full force of your power. So it's jumping out of the boat. I think this has to be probably one of the greatest lines in Scripture. It says, Peter walked on the water. How cool is that? I mean, think about history. We've walked on hot coals. We've walked on some of the highest peaks in the world, Mount Everest. We've, humanity has done some great things, haven't they, with their feet. No one has ever, to my knowledge, apart from Peter, I went to the Galilee, I had to try it. Epic fail. <laughs> but I did try it, and I had it on video. Because if it worked, I'd, you know, I'd show the church. <laughs> but it didn't. So I haven't seen it, and you haven't seen it, and you'll never see it. But suddenly, for the first time and the only time in history, a human being walks unaided on water. Wow. You see, Jesus in that moment, he was not in the safety of the boat. He was in the eye of the storm. And some of you are looking for Jesus in all the wrong places. You know, as a church right now, we're going into an eye of the storm. But Jesus is waiting for us in the storm. Most people wait for Jesus in the boat. Jesus said, yeah, I am there. But I'm really in the eye of the storm. And big, there is a big difference, I think, between knowing God and trusting God. The disciples in the boat, the other 11, they knew God, but they didn't trust him. Because if they really trusted him, they would have stepped out of the boat. When it comes to the heart for the house this year, you can either give on a knowing basis or give on a trusting basis. Chantal and I, we're giving this year because we trust God. We're given because we trust him that he will meet every single one of our needs. And as we sacrifice and let go, we're not giving because we know him. That's called tipping. We're giving because we trust him. And as a church, I want us to move from knowing him to trusting him. But you'll never be able to trust him until you test him. You'll never be able to test your ma trust your, your marriage until you've tested it. Chantal and I, we've been tested again last 24 hours, just tested been easy to bail out on today but we trust it we trust that God can still carry us you can't trust what you don't test it's time to test God prove him prove him that he can do something significant in your life God cannot show off until you get off the boat God can't show off he wants to show off in your life Heart for the House 2021, this is a moment, I believe, that God wants to show the full force of his power to the church. You, there's no need to actually trust God by staying in the boat. But I want to be in a place as a church where we, we know you, God, and we've seen you, but this is a time where we trust you because none of this right now makes any sense. I was asked on a panel a couple of years ago, my biggest mistake, starting Soul Church. There's plenty. It's really easy, though. I haven't taken enough risks. Because every time we've taken a risk, God has met us. So why don't we take more? Who'll be honest to say, every time they've taken a risk, they've had a piece about it, God's met them. Come on. Heart for the house, last five, six, seven, eight years. Come on, just lift up your hand. God's met you. So the question is, why don't we do it more? This week, as a church... We've had more miracles arrive as a church. We've had more testimonies arrive in our inbox than we've ever had in the history of the church. I'll tell you why. Because last week we activated faith. We literally started shouting at things which made no sense. Like if you came for the first time last week, I apologize. It's not normally like that. I don't normally bring wedding dresses and shopping trolleys on stage and encourage the church to shout at them. But what that did is it activated people's faith. I got an email from a lady who'd been in debt for a long time and didn't know a way out. She said, I tried everything. She said, she shouted last week, grace, grace, at that situation. Wrote a, wrote a card on the wall. 
She said, this week, a family member called up and completely removed the debt from her life. Now, you can say that if you're a skeptic, you'll say, well, that's just a coincidence that that happened just to land two days. Is it a coincidence? Or could it be that God is looking and saying, when you shouted, grace, grace, you stepped out of the boat and you said, God, help me. And when you shouted, God, help me, you said, now, God, show me. These are dangerous prayers. God, help me. God, show me. Number three. Are we just getting going? God, stop me. Now, if we think that this message or last week's message gives you a license to soar to the next level in life without a degree of problems, we're wrong. As we read in the story, it says Peter got out of the boat, he started walking on water, then he says he took his eyes, he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerves and started to sink. Can I just put a few disclaimers in here? Number one is this. Since he started to sink, he didn't sink. God will not allow you to sink. God will not allow you to sink. God will not allow this church to fail. God will not allow you to fail. He started to sink. Peter jumps out of the boat. He experiences the power of God. And then he does what we'd have all done in that moment. Is he takes his eyes. And I've done this over the last few days. You start looking at the natural. Well, how's that going to happen? All the material costs on the building have gone up again. Oh my goodness. Natural, 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 natural. Who's ever done that? You get given a a promise, get a dream, and then you start looking at all the reasons it can't happen. And naturally, we begin to sink. And in that moment, Peter's prayer, it changes from God show me to God stop me. God stop me sinking. Stop me. You take a note, write this down. Whenever... God gives you a big promise, it will always be followed by a big problem. Can anyone, can I get a, can I get a witness? There's no plain sailing in this. You take a risk and you hit a storm. You started a business and it all went wrong. You got married, I'll just stop. Most of us at this point what do we want to do? As soon as we hit our first problem, we take a risk, what do we do? boat. Let's get back in the safety of the boat. Let's go back to our nine to five. Let's go back to the comfort. Let's go back to what we know. And there is always a force to pull you back to what is safe. God's given people a significant number for this year's Heart for the House. And in the faith moment, you're like, yeah, we can do this. And then you look at your bank balance and think, oh, there's no way. That's, that, so I'll just get back to the safety of what? is easy what is safe I want to share with you my boat is that okay this is my safety boat you ready if I had a boat my safety boat would be called this Mason Road Mason Road this church is my as in this location is safe I'll tell you why it's paid off it works we know it inside out. We, know how we, we, can, we can get 10,000 people in this building across two weekends. The team know it. We just, we just know how it works. So it's safe. And there's been so many times where I've thought, well, you know what? Let's just stay here. Let's just stay in the boat. Now the question is this. What's your boat? Because all, we've all got one. What's your boat? What's your boat? What's the thing that keeps you safe? Could be your pension fund. It could be a bank balance. Well, I don't want my account to go below a certain thing because God couldn't possibly take care of me if I had less than 100,000 pounds in my bank. And God's like, do you know me or do you trust me? And Peter had to make a decision. He was going to trust God. So for Chantel and I, as safe as this building is, this isn't our home. This is just part of the direction that God has taken us. So we've got to step away from the boat of Mason Road and step into something new. Because I believe we're going to build a building that will house hundreds and hundreds of people that will receive Christ as their personal saviour, as we shared in the video. And this building will not be able to contain what God wants to do. So we can either settle 
We can either settle, we can stay, we can play it safe, or we can say, God, we trust you. And the reality for Peter sets in, and, and he must have been asking himself, what are we thinking? He's in a storm, he's walking on water, the waves are bashing him, and he begins to sink. And he does what any of us would do, focus on the natural problems. You know, we've all had sinking moments in the last 18 months. Who's had a sinking moment? Chantal and I were like, will we ever be back in church together? Will we ever be able to see people's faces again? Will we ever be able to sing legally again? Legally again? But we take our eyes off Jesus, what happens? Whenever you're going through the storm of life, here is the key. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. You've got to stay in his promises, stay in his word, on your knees, praying and seeking God. Because we're all going to fail from time to time. In fact, if you're not failing from time to time, you're playing it too safe. As a church, we've had our fair share of failures. 2017 was a fun night, six hot nights, and the team were thinking about ways that we could get as many unchurched people into Mason Road as possible. We wanted to share the good news of Jesus, and it was the Holocaust Memorial Month, and uh, we decided to invite this incredible lady, I think we've got a picture of her coming up on your screens, Janine, and uh, she was a Holocaust survivor, and a most amazing lady, and I read her story online, invited her up from London, and we picked her up. And I think she was, you know, she was 90 years old. An amazing lady. Who was, in fact, who was there in the room? Give us a wave on the chat as well. Put your hand up there so you were there. And that was just an incredible night. And we had, in fact, this is, this, this, is, this is a fun fact. We had more people in one service that night than in the history of the church. In one, in one sitting. So it worked. So she, she came up to the guest area and we are talking to before. And we are talking. She said, I just need to let you know something. I said, okay, what's that? He said, I'm an atheist. You're an atheist. And this is our sixth hot night. Right, okay. She said, but don't worry. She says, I'm going to play along. <laughs> right, so I've invited you in. I thought, but you, okay. That's why I look quite puzzled on the... <laughs> so I'm sitting there thinking, the church don't know this. She says, but I'm playing along and... I want to show you what God can do. I'm thinking, well, how, how do I follow this? Like, we've got an atheist as one of our speakers tonight. And then we give the shout out for people to find Christ, and hands are going up all over the room. I'm like, this is weird. And one of those hands, just stand up, was Kev. And Kev. Kev gave his life to Christ that night. Kev now leads groups to help people. Who He's helped many people in this room. He's an absolute hero of our church. He's struggling with mental health. He's a mental health nurse for the NHS. You know, God can use your failures. God can take the times where you might have seen to have got it wrong and you might have seen to have maybe even made a poor choice. God can take things. He says, don't. Just trust me. If you get out of the boat, you won't sink. There'll be times, trust me, before that service, I'm thinking, we've got this wrong. What do we do? So I'm trying to pull the, the God story out of it, but there isn't one. And here's what I've learned, and here's probably today's big takeaway if you're writing this down and want to go to heaven. <laughs> you ready? You've got to go towards the things that scare you. You've got to go towards the things that scare you. The new building is scary, but we're going to go towards it. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say stop. It says there's a movement that is happening. Even in our darkest times, even in the times we take a risk and it goes wrong, even in the times we start getting water in the boat and our feet are getting wet as we attempt things for God, you've got to keep moving. When everything is screaming, run away. You've got to move towards the dream that God has placed in your heart. You know, we're, I honestly don't believe as a church we're not succeeding if we're not failing. 
If everything was just succeeding at everyone, well, there's no story to tell. We've made plenty of hoo-hahs. We've made plenty of mistakes as a church. But the grace of God catches us. I want to just share just a thought around this because what happens, what happens when we fail is we get disappointed. I think we've all been disappointed. We get disappointed in each other. We can get disappointed in business, in life, in church, in employees. But what is disappointment? If you're taking notes, write this down. Unmet expectation. Unmet expectation. People let us down. We get disappointed. So what we do is we lower our expectations. And because those expectations aren't always met, we keep lowering them. And I want to talk to a group of people right now, to everyone who is experiencing unmet expectations, disappointment. Don't lower your expectation of God. God does not want to meet your expectation, Josh. He wants to exceed it. God does not want to meet our expectations. He wants to exceed them. God doesn't want to meet John and Chantel's expectation for half of the house this year. He wants to exceed it. God wants to exceed it in your business, in your life, in every area. So here's the deal. Ready? Don't lower your expectation of what God can do in your business. Don't lower your expectation of what God can do in your children's life. If God meets your expectations, he can't exceed them. Unto him who is able to do exceedingly. God wants to go above and beyond. In your strength, you can meet them. Might and power. In his strength, by his spirit, he can exceed them. And this is what separates us from the rest. This is what separates you from the pack. Are you ready? You get up again. You get up again. You get up again. Proverbs 24, 16 says, So the righteous fall seven times. They get back up. And I made a decision as a young man. I know many of you have made the same decision in life. It's this. I'm either up or I'm getting up. I'm going to keep saying this until you grab hold of this. I'm either up, but I'm not always up, or I'm getting up, but I refuse to stay down. I refuse to stay down. And some of you, you've been down for so long. And God is saying today, I know you've taken a risk. And I know it hasn't worked out. And I know you're feeling like you can't get up again. But right now, I'm making a decision. Today is day one, baby step. I'm getting up. I might be up or I'm getting up, but I refuse to stay down. Though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. And it's time for people to step up again and say, I'm going to step up. I'm going to step out. I refuse to stay down. I refuse to stay down. Come on, some of you need to get a little bit more excited. Failure is fuel for your future. Come on, this is your future. This can fuel you for your future. If you make a decision today, whatever happened in that marriage, in the divorce case, whatever happened in that business, if you make a decision today, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will keep going. I'm going to get back up again. You can't stay down for too long. Come on. The world might be knocking you down, kicking you while you're down. But you've got to make a decision today. It's time to get up. Take your seats. I refuse to stay down. I'm going to tell a funny story, but it was a story that had a, an effect on me for 12 months. Never shared this before, but in 2010, my dad had just passed away and I was given an opportunity to speak, to speak at Hillsong London at the Dominion Theatre. Across the day, there was about 8,000 people there. It was amazing. got to speak four times to this... West End Theatre. It was the biggest platform I'd stood up, stood, stood upon, and I was living in Cape Town, and they flew me up to speak in London. I was thinking, wow, this is incredible. Chantelle couldn't come, but she was praying for me, and it was, it was a really special moment. So what I decided to do is the biggest mistake of my life, I think. I got my three best messages, my three big ideas, and I did a collaboration that went gloriously wrong. I mean, I'm talking about it was not good. I'll tell you why it wasn't good. 
Because one of the team came up to me afterwards, they said, oh, you gave it a good go, didn't you? <laughs> wow. And I knew it. I knew I'd messed up. And then a week later, they never even put it on their podcast. And I, and I, I agree, I wouldn't have put that on my podcast. It was, it was poor. I was down. I was down. I messed it up on one of the biggest stages in the UK. For 12 months, I lost my confidence. 12 months. Remember God saying, you need to get back up again. You need to polish yourself, wipe yourself down. He said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get a copy of the recording, and I want you to listen to it. And I want you to write down every single thing that you need to change. And it was painful. Because I'm like, I'm never going to get an opportunity again. I'm never going to, I messed this up proper. I wrote all these, I think I was 20 odd things that I wrote down. He said, right, now you know what to work with. And for the next three years, I began to hone my craft and began to work on it and got feedback and got coaching. Two years ago, two and a half years ago, I got invited to speak at the Hillsong Conference in London. 27,000 people in the O2 Arena. And God said, hey, this is to remind you that if you prepared to get up again, I can still use you. And I've come here to remind you today that if you're prepared to dust yourself down, have some honest conversations with yourself, be honest. By the way, it takes honesty to admit that you're wrong. Because you've got to die to it. Go, actually, I missed it. If you're prepared to do that, like Peter, he had to cry out, Lord, save me. Doesn't say he tried to swim. He just said, Lord, if you're prepared today to say, God, stop me from sinking. Let me tell you, God can do more in you than you could ever imagine. Because what has got you to where you are today isn't actually success, it's failure. It's the fact that you just keep getting back up again. And the fourth, the fourth point, God help me, God show me, God stop me. And this is the miracle, God mark me. God mark me. Peter's life in this moment was marked forever. This one step of obedience marked his life forever. I'm going to paint a picture for us right now that, to help us understand what happened in that moment because there was more at stake than Peter just walking on water. Jesus knew that in a few months' time, he would ascend to heaven to be with his Father. He would be crucified, he would rise again, and then he would go and be with his Father. And God knew two things were going to happen. Number one, he would send the Helper, which is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God which lives in our lives. But number two, there needed, to be a, there needed to be something created which we now know as the church. An institution which would gather people to worship God and build community. So God knew those two things. And Jesus was scouting. He was looking for someone who could build the church. And he chose in these 12. And I think Jesus might have been caught off guard, that, off guard that day because I think maybe he was expecting maybe John, the beloved, to step out of the boat. He was the one who said that Christ loved the most. Or maybe James, or even maybe Luke, the doctor, maybe he would step out. But of all the disciples that day, Peter, the maverick, the radical, stepped out. And just three months later, Jesus had a decision to make. He's like, I wonder who's going to lead and build the church. The church that, by the way, we're still a part of. And it was Peter. The one who kept messing up. But the one who kept taking risks. And Peter is marked forever. Peter is marked, not because he played it safe, but because he took a risk. And Jesus summoned Peter. He said, Peter, come here, I want to... I want to whisper something in your ear. He said, hey, and I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. And in that moment where Jesus, he said to the boat, he said, come to me. Jesus was watching. 
for the one who would come because he knew the one that would come would be the one that Christ would build upon. Could it be today that God is saying to us, come, come and build that business. Come and apply to that university. Come and do that thing that's hidden deep in your heart. Come and write that book to help people. Come and serve on a team. Come and join a group. He's saying, but it's really safe and warm in the boat. And God's saying, well, you're never going to experience the full force of my power. You've got to come. I believe that God wants to mark our church. The question is, are we ready? The mundane is lost and forgotten forever, but a risk taker is marked for eternity. I'm going to pray in just a moment. I want us all to stand. But I want the spirit of a risk taker to come upon our church because we're going to be taking some risks in the next few days, in the next few weeks. Parents, I want to speak to, to mums and dads right now. Be a risk taker for your children. Let your parents see you taking risks. My dad was a first generation risk taker. He'd go over to communist Poland and smuggle Bibles, come back with stories. I was six or seven years old, but I remember his stories of running out of petrol and keeping going because he trusted God. He didn't just know him, he trusted him. And this is a season not to know God, but to trust him. We're not taking risks just for us. We're taking risks for our children. I want stories. After this year's Half the House, I'm going to tell our kids the stories, the miracle stories. I want us to sit around the dinner table and say, hey, you know when as a family we sacrifice that amount? Hey, I want to show you what God is going to do in our church. I want risk-taking stories for my family. I want to put God to the test. I want to trust God. This is harsh, but it's true. Our kids will either inherit our fear or our faith. And I want my children to inherit daddy and mummy's faith so that means I've got to get out of the boat he's called me out upon the water he's called me out and he's called you out come on we're going to sing this we're going to declare these words together then we're going to come back and I'm going to pray I'm going to pray the spirit of a risk taker to fall on you are you ready to receive it come on let's sing this together I need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit right now but I need people to do something I need you, if you're saying today, I want the spirit of a risk taker to come upon, upon me. The spirit of a risk taker. We can't get everyone down the front, but just leaving your seat or even moving somewhere close to the front is you moving away from your comfort. This is signaling to God to say, God, today, this is my boat. This is my seat, but I want the spirit of a risk taker. Out of your seats as quick as you possible can. If you want to be the spirit, I want you to get as far forward as you can. Just leave your seat if you can. Come on, the spirit of a risk taker right now. It's going to come over our church. We're going to see things. We're going to see signs and wonders. We're going to see the miraculous break out. But we need to leave the safety of the known. Come on, young person, student. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing it. Your faith will be made stronger. All right. We're going to pray these four dangerous prayers. I'm going to say one. I want you to say it after me. Are you ready? And we're going to worship again. I'm going to pray that the spirit of a risk taker would fall on you. Students, dream bigger today. Dream bigger. Dream bigger. Come on. I don't know what's happened in your past, but God knows what can happen in your future. If you'll be prepared today to say, I refuse to stay down, but today I'm getting up again. I'm either up or I'm getting up, but I'm not down today. Are you ready? I want you to say this. In fact, we're going to say it with passion. God, help me. God, show me. God, stop me. God, mark me. Father, I pray right now for the spirit of a risk taker to fall on your church. Father, we need to step out of the safety of the known. Father, Father, we say sorry for playing it too safe. And Father, today as a church, I pray that we would be marked by you. We would be known as a church. We will not sink. And even when it feels like we're falling, we will keep our eyes firmly fixed on the author, the perfect.
chapter and the finisher of our faith. God help us. God show us. God stop us. And God mark us by the power of the Spirit. Come on. Hang on. I don't know who said this, but I wrote it down because it was remarkable. They said the safest place for ships might be in the harbour, but that's not their purpose. I remember as a young man that struck with me and some of you, you've been in the harbour and God is calling you out, calling you out. For some of you, God called you into ministry. This isn't about age anymore. God called you to the ministry and you've been in the harbour. God is calling you out again. You're marked. You're marked. You can go back to the safety of what you know, which is your pension fund, the harbour, but you're marked. And I've come to remind you today that you're marked by God. Now, who's that person? Come on, there's many of you. I know you. God called you. It's not everyone, but you know you're marked. You're marked. You're marked. You can't run from it because you're marked. I want you to place your hands. If you see someone's hand, I want you to place it on their shoulder around you. The Spirit of God is moving right now. Ships are about to leave the harbour. Spirit of God, right now, I thank you for the spirit of risk takers in this room. And even when it financially makes no sense, even when life makes no sense, I pray right now for something to rise up in your church. Father, we need more, more and more people in the ministry. Father God, we need more and more people in charities and churches to see your word spread. So I pray, Lord, that that seed, Father, would germinate again in people's hearts and people's minds. Father, we cannot go back. We will not go back, Father. Spirit leaders, Father. Spirit leaders, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's receive His Spirit. Wherever. Amen. Amen. I want to just, everyone just to close their eyes as we bring this service to a close. And I would keep it going, but we've got hundreds of people outside who need to get into the next service. We need to be fair to them. God wants to move in their situations. I want to pray for one more group. You said, John, never made a decision to receive Jesus as my personal Savior. You've been in this atmosphere and you say, wow, this is different. There's definitely something. I feel like something's shifting and changing in my life, but that's the presence of God in this room. You've got to receive it. How do you receive it? By opening up your heart. Opening up your heart to Him. He loves you, friend. He's got a plan for you. He died for you. But you've got to receive it. He will not force his love on you. He will not force salvation. You have to receive it. I know many, many people have already made this decision, but I know there's people in this room you've never invited Jesus to be your personal savior. You might say, well, it's a risk. It's a great risk. It's a great risk because God will come and he'll meet you exactly where you're at. doesn't matter how messed up your life might feel, what's going on in your family, your marriage, whatever's going on in your life, God will meet you. He's waiting He's waiting for you. Maybe you once walked with him, but feel away from God. Today you can come home. All I'm going to do is count to three. Everyone online, this is your moment to receive God's love and forgiveness. He loves you, friend. When I get to three, would you just slip up your hand long enough and high enough so I can see it, so I know who I'm praying for. One, online. Two, in the room. Three, just slip up your hand nice and high. Give us a wave online. God bless you. God bless you. Beautiful. People making their peace with God. Anyone else say, that's me today. I'm stepping out of the boat, making my peace with God. Can we just say this prayer together? Father God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he loves me. Thank you that he died for me. Three days later, he rose again. Today, I need you. I repent of my sin. And I receive your love and your forgiveness. Today is a new day. I'm a follower of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you put your hands together for everyone who's made that, that decision? We want to give you a gift. If you're watching online, I encourage you to download the Bible app digitally. 
If you're in the room, you can either download the Bible digitally or receive this gift for us. Our team will be out in the foyers. We also want to give you a little light bulb, which celebrates this moment. It's a great moment, so fantastic. Come on, let's give everyone who made that decision to clap as we head back to our seats. Wow, what a service. Anyone else? Anyone else feel the spirit of a risk taker coming on them again? So here's the question I want to leave you with. What's your boat and are you going to leave it? I want us to carry that. I want us to wake up, go to bed with those two questions. What's my boat? And your boat will be the safety net of your life. And God is calling you away from it. And you will go from knowing him to trusting him. And let me tell you, when you trust God, you are in a very intimate place. Amen. I pray you've received the word. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today. And we hope to see you again soon. God bless.